Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yes, said the doctor. Have they found the man? No. He seemed to be meditating, and several times jerked his head with a thoughtful air. But they soon saw that he was asleep. The emperor went up to Valdemar. Order your car round. Oh, but then, sire, well, what? I'm beginning to think that he is taking us in, and that all this is merely play-acting to gain time. Possibly. Yes, said Valdemar, agreeing. It's quite obvious. He's making the most of certain curious coincidences, but he knows nothing, and his story about gold coins and his narcotic are so many inventions. If we lend ourselves to his little game any longer, he'll slip out of your fingers. Your car, Valdemar. The Count gave his orders and returned. Lupin had not woke up. The Emperor, who was looking round the room, said to Valdemar, "'This is the Minerva room, is it not?' "'Yes, sire. But then why is there an N in two places?' There were, in fact, two ends, one over the chimney-piece, the other over an old dilapidated clock fitted into the wall, and displaying a complicated set of works, with weights hanging lifeless at the end of their cords. "'The two ends,' said Valdemar. The emperor did not listen to the answer. Lupin had moved again, opening his eyes and uttering indistinct syllables. He stood up, walked across the room, and fell down from sheer weakness. Then came the struggle, the desperate struggle of his brains, his nerves, his will, against that hideous, paralyzing torpor, the struggle of a dying man against death, the struggle of life against extinction, and the sight was one of infinite sadness. He is suffering muttered Valdemar. "'Or at least he is pretending to suffer,' declared the Emperor, and pretending very cleverly at that. "'What an actor!' Lupin stammered. "'An injection, doctor, an injection of caffeine, at once.' "'May I, sire?' asked the doctor. "'Certainly. Until twelve o'clock do all that he asks. He has my promise.' "'Hum!' Many minutes before twelve o'clock, asked Lupin. Forty, said somebody. Forty? I shall do it. I am sure to do it. I've got to do it. He took his head in his two hands. Oh, if I had my brain, the real brain, a brain that thinks, it would be a matter of a second. There's only one dark spot left, but I cannot. My thoughts escape me. I can't grasp it.
awful. His shoulders shook. Was he crying? They heard him repeating, Eight-thirteen! Eight-thirteen! And in a lower voice, Eight-thirteen! An eight! A one! A three! Yes, of course! But why? That's not enough. The emperor muttered, He impresses me. I find it difficult to believe that a man can play a part like that. Half-past eleven struck. A quarter to twelve. Lupin remained motionless, with his fists glued to his temples. The emperor waited, with his eyes fixed on a chronometer which Voldemar held in his hand. Ten minutes more. Five minutes more. Is the car there, Voldemar? Are your men ready? Yes, sire. Is that watch of yours a repeater, Voldemar? Yes, sire. At the last stroke of twelve, then. But at the last stroke of twelve, Voldemar. There was really something tragic about the scene, that sort of grandeur and solemnity which the hours assume at the approach of a possible miracle, when it seems as though the voice of fate itself were about to find utterance. The emperor did not conceal his anguish. This fantastic adventurer who was called Arsène Lupin, and whose amazing life he knew, this man troubled him, and although he was resolved to make an end of all this dubious story, he could not help waiting and hoping. Two minutes more, one minute more. Then they counted by seconds. Lupin seemed asleep. Come, get ready, said the emperor to the count. The count went up to Lupin and placed his hand on his shoulder. The silvery chime of the repeater quivered and struck. One, two, three, four, five. Valdemar, old chap, pull the weights of the old clock. A moment of stupefaction. It was Lupin's voice, speaking very calmly. Valdemar, annoyed at the familiarity of the address, shrugged his shoulders. Do as he says, Valdemar, said the emperor. Yes, do as I say, my dear count, echoed Lupin, recovering his powers of chaff. You know the rope so well. All you have to do is to pull those of the clock, in turns. One, two, capital. That's how they used to wind it up in the old days. The pendulum, in fact, was started, and they heard its regular ticking. Now the hands, said Lupin, set them at a little before twelve. Don't move, let me. He rose and walked to the face of the clock, standing two feet away at most, with his eyes fixed, with every nerve attentive. The twelve strokes sounded. Twelve heavy, deep strokes. A long silence. Nothing happened. Nevertheless, the emperor waited, as though he were sure that something was going to happen, and Valdemar did not move, stood with wide-open eyes. Lupin, who had stooped over the clock-face, now drew himself up, muttering, "'That's it. I have it.' He went back to his chair and commanded, "'Valdemar, set the hands at two minutes to twelve again.' "'Oh, no, old chap, not backwards, the way the hands go. "'Yes, I know it will take rather long, but it can't be helped.' "'All the hours struck, and the half-hours, up to half-past eleven. "'Listen, Valdemar,' said Lupin. "'And he spoke seriously, without jesting, as though himself excited and anxious. "'Listen, Valdemar, do you see on the face of the clock a little round dot marking the first hour? "'That dot is loose, isn't it? "'Put the forefinger of your left hand on it and press.' Good. 
Do the same with your thumb on the dot marking the third hour. Good. With your right hand, push in the dot at the eighth hour. Good, thank you. Go and sit down, my dear fellow. The minute hand shifted, moved to the twelfth dot, and the clock struck again. Lupin was silent and very white. The twelve strokes rang out in silence. At the twelfth stroke there was a sound as of a spring being set free. The clock stopped dead. The pendulum ceased swinging. And suddenly the bronze ornament representing a ram's head, which crowned the dial, fell forwards, uncovering a sort of little recess cut out of the stone wall. In this recess was a chased silver casket. Lupin took it and carried it to the Emperor. Would your Imperial Majesty be so good as to open it yourself? The letters which you instructed me to look for are inside. The Emperor raised the lid and seemed greatly astonished. The casket was empty. The casket was empty. It was an enormous, unforeseen sensation. After the success of the calculation made by Lupin, after the ingenious discovery of the secret of the clock, the Emperor, who had no doubt left as to the ultimate success, appeared utterly confounded. Opposite him was Lupin, pallid and wan, with drawn jaws and bloodshot eyes, gnashing his teeth with rage and impotent hate. He wiped the perspiration from his forehead, then snatched up the casket, turned it over, examined it as though he hoped to find a false bottom. At last, for greater certainty, in a fit of fury, he crushed it with an irresistible grip. That relieved him. He breathed more easily. The Emperor said, "'Who has done this?' Still the same man, sire, the one who is following the same road as I, and pursuing the same aim, Mr. Kesselbach's murderer. When? Last night. Ah, oh, sire, why did you not leave me free when I came out of prison? Had I been free, I should have come here without losing an hour. I should have arrived before him. I should have given Isilda money before he did. I should have read Malreich, the old French servant's diary, before he did. So you think that it was through the revelations in the diary? Why, yes, sire. He had time to read them, and lurking I don't know where, kept informed of all our movements by I don't know whom, he put me to sleep last night in order to get rid of me. But the palace was guarded. Guarded by your soldiers, sire.